listening to the Grid Iron Growl Podcast from ShopTalk.com. Yo, listening to the Grid Iron Growl Podcast. My name is Jake Hitt. Alongside me tonight is Brian Fox Jr., head man in charge at ChompTalk.com. He's filling in for Mark McLeod. We'll be talking some Gator recruiting. A couple changes made by Billy Napier, some other Gator stuff, as well as the national title game that will be unfolding between Alabama and Georgia. How you doing, Brian? I'm good, man. How's things going? Well, you know, it's going all right. I'm sure a lot of Gator fans were happy. The Gators landed four-star running back uh, Trevor Etienne, Travis Etienne's brother out of Jennings in Louisiana. He now helps the Gators jump. I believe the Jaguars are in the 50s in the 24-7 composite rankings. Now they're in the now they're number 40. So definitely in a short amount of time, Billy Napier's come in and been able to pull some some good talent. You know, you saw a guy like Shamar James, Corey Wilson commit and sign on signing day. Also Devin Moore there. What do you think of the signing, Brian? Being able to get a guy like Trevor Etienne uh, to to commit to Florida is pretty impressive. Pretty impressive when you consider the time frame. This wasn't a guy who was considering Florida uh, previously. You know, I, I'm not trying to say that Dan Mullen was doing something wrong or that he wasn't, whatever. But clearly, there there was a disconnect there. And Billy Napier has come in and and he's taken advantage of the relationships that he had both with his staff and with the players that he's been recruiting for several years. And, uh, and we've seen that. We saw it with Kamari Wilson. We're seeing it with Trevor Etienne. And we saw it with several other of these players. Um, all in all, man, that's a good haul. When you can jump from number 52 to number 40 uh, in 24-7's rankings, uh, just by pulling in one guy uh, after the early signing day, uh, that's pretty impressive. And, you know, it tells you that I think that the, the sky is kind of the limit on where this class could end up. You know, you got a big weekend coming up, and we'll know a lot more about you know, what we're going to see from uh, this class after next weekend, I think. Uh, Gators are targeting some big, big prospects like linebacker Harold Perkins, who just recently committed to Texas A&M. He's the number five five player in the country for the class of 2022. Also, Jacoby Matthews, who's a safety. But, I mean, look, I think this is a good get in terms of um, just building back the the running back room where he's going to lose Damian Pierce and uh, Malik Davis. You'll be left with Lorenzo Lingard a recover, and a, a Demarcus Bowman and a recovering Naquan Wright. So getting another running back body in there is good. And I think if anybody's watched Alabama this year, I think it shows that you can never have too many running backs as they've struggled with running back depth. And, you know, they might have quality guys, but they only had about one or two this year with Brian Robinson and Trey Sanders. But, I mean, look, I want, I want to mention this because we just talked about it right before we came on. Another safety can never have too many safeties, I guess, either, right, Brian? No, absolutely not. It's an absolute logjam at safety for the Gators right now. Um, with trading saying he'll come back. You also have Donovan McMillan, who was a freshman, he'll be back. Corey Collier, they just got Rashad Torrance, the other starting safety with trading. Kamara Wilcoxon, who hasn't played. He actually had to sit out with an injury this year. Uh Mordecai McDaniel, who played a little bit at safety, but not really. He had some weapons. Then Fenley Graham, um, who Really hasn't played that much safety. Uh, I think has more been touted as a return man than anything else, um, especially this year when people were calling for him to play. So there's a lot of um, kids still left to left to go in terms of you know who they can get, who they're targeting. But I think it's shown that it's getting a little bit better 
definitely have seen more of an aggressive approach, I think, um, because they are going after a lot of kids and going after them hard. Yeah, and you mentioned that logjam at, at safety. Even this year, even with, uh, you know, the, I want to say, guided way that um, that Billy Napier is going about things, They've got Kamari Wilson, who's one of the top safeties in the country, committed and signed and actually enrolled already. Um, also, Devin Moore, a safety from Naples. He was a four-star safety. Uh, so I mean, he's pretty highly rated. And then Florida's very high on the list right now for um, another four-star prospect, number 36 overall player in Jacoby Matthews, uh, who's from Louisiana. Napier uh, had a relationship. Um, so, you know, just, just creating more options i think is the best way to describe it and you know he might have a different idea maybe he's going to move uh, you know some of these guys to a linebacker position maybe some of these guys aren't going to make it past spring ball there's a whole lot of options there but there's there's a you're right log jam is, is the way to describe the safety room right now yeah i guess it, i guess it's just interesting because there's a a lot of guys there but not a lot of guys who've played the most anybody's played has been Trey Dean and this is his first or second year starting at safety full-time Rashad Torrance this is his first year as the everyday starter for the Gators in that position too I'm interested to see what they do with the with like the nickel the star position because look Trevez Johnson is a safety and he didn't do too hot in the uh at the star this year look nobody's really been able to take over that position uh since Chauncey Gardner uh, took it over Dan Mullen's first year, Tiger Anthem's first year on campus. So I, I wonder how they're going to attack that nickel position, you know, how Patrick Tony and his other co-DC uh, will take advantage of that. Yeah, I'm excited to see some of the younger kids play. Uh, one of the biggest knocks on Dan Mullen and even Todd Grantham was that none of these younger guys got got chances they didn't get any playing time there's really no film out there uh a guy like jason marshall who you know i think could probably be the second best cornerback on this team but we just don't have a huge sample size um you know just stuff like that you know you mentioned a bunch of names there with the safeties and we've only seen maybe two or three of them play um i think that's a little bit of a problem it like i said the, i think the biggest thing to come out of spring ball with is is to kind of have an idea of where these guys rank uh, individually and, and not based on seniority at all. Yeah. I actually spoke with, um, you know, working on a story on Billy Napier a couple months ago or maybe about a month ago with, you know, talking to some old uh, Louisiana players. And one of them mentioned to me, you know, I asked him like, Hey, you know, there's a thing with Dan Mullen being really stubborn with playing guys. He's, you know, not very, uh, what's the word? Uh, willing to play younger guys. He really likes to play guys with seniority. Um, I think it's one of those things where, like, look, guy came in, put in the work, so he should get more uh, reps. And this guy told me that's not the case with him at all. All uh, Billy cares about is if you can execute on the field and then practice, you'll get playing time. You would think that's how it should be all the time. (laughs) Still a lot of time to go before – uh, the final signing day. Um, they actually had a couple signees perform. You mentioned Devin Moore, also Chris McClellan. They were at the Under Armour game. Devin Moore had a great interception. I remember when I used to watch it. I don't really watch it anymore. It's just good to see some some Gator commits coming out and balling out. Um, I think if you're a Gator fan. 
Yeah, absolutely. It kind of reminds you of like a decade and a half ago when that used to be the normal. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, it, it was great. There was a really cool picture that went out all through social media of the three guys uh, there in their Under Armour uh, jerseys, you know, all doing the Gator Chomp. And I think that's really cool. And it's something that's important. It's a that's a, the free press, the free uh, recruiting tools that that gives you. I mean, it just can't be spoken to the value of, of what it brings to a program. So hopefully we see a lot more of it moving forward. Yeah, I remember when I was younger, you know, when I was uh, watching the Under Armour game, they had, you know, seeing Dominique Easley and Ronald Powell running around making plays. Um, so it may, it kind of, you know, brought me back to that because I think a lot of Gator fans were excited to see those guys be able to show off. And obviously, like you said, it's a big um, recruiting, I guess, deal. It makes a lot of impact on recruiting when you have – these guys playing these games and then they all get together and do the one thing that's symbolic of their school that they're all, you know, committed to going to. And that just helps make your brand stronger. Absolutely. Hey, Jake, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are. So, so far Florida's taken two transfers. Um, they're probably going to take several more, but um, Jack Miller quarterback from Ohio state. I don't know if you and Mark have had a chance to talk about it at all, but I found it particularly interesting, but I just curious what your thought is real quick. It is uh, intriguing to see how it'll work out with the dynamic. I think we all thought when he signed, I think a lot of people thought, oh, you know, this is the guy to take Emory Jones' spot when he leaves. Well, now Emory Jones is still on campus. He's still in classes. He could, you know, potentially transfer at the end of the spring. So we can see what happens there. But you know, I think uh, speaking with his old offensive coordinator from high school, uh, this is a good second chance for him in terms of just, you know, uh, fresh place to go, restart, can, uh, you know, start his kind of technically start his college career over again at a new place. Because, you know, he he was on that on that team for about two years. And, you know, the, the, the first year he was on it, Justin Fields was on that roster and nobody was going to beat Justin Fields out for that job. And then his second year, you know, it's a three-way battle between him, Kyle McCord, and C.J. Stroud. Well, guess what? Kyle McCord, you know, the top 100 recruit, five-star quarterback from New Jersey. C.J. Stroud was a Heisman finalist this year. So it's not a knock on him that he wasn't able to beat those guys out. I think he's still got some talent, and it'll be interesting to see how Billy wants to use him because he's definitely more of a guy who throws it rather than runs it. and. Um, I think the other thing is he was like a top 50 guy for like his first couple years in high school. And then he had some injuries that knocked him out of several games. And I think that really hurt his recruiting profile. So I think he hasn't really had a full chance to show what he can do against division one um, competition that much. When you look at his tape from high school, obviously he doesn't have a whole lot uh, from Ohio state, but when you look at that tape, man, I see a guy who, who, can sling the ball and I like quarterbacks that can sling the ball. I think most Florida fans would say that they do like a quarterback that can throw the ball really well. And Jack Miller uh, fits the profile uh, for that. I thought, you know, before the whole Emory Jones thing, is he staying? Is he going? I don't know. But um, before that was a thing and we all thought he was gone. I thought Jack Miller was a guy who once he got on campus, he has a chance to really kind of set himself apart and that he'd have a chance to be the starter going into game one next year to against Utah. I know he's had issues off the field, 
Um, but like you said, I think this is a good second opportunity for him. And, uh, you know, we you can look at the film. The film doesn't lie. That's that's what we're always told. And this is a guy who on film, I mean, he's got an arm. Um, if Anthony Richardson can't keep himself healthy, this guy's going to push him and, and maybe even surpass him. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how the quarterback room plays out over the next few years, I think. Well, you say that with pushing. I think they do need a guy who can push Anthony Richardson and adding another body to that outside of a Jalen Kitna and a Carlos Del Rio Wilson of those guys are staying. Jack Miller definitely adds that competition because guess what? If you come into, I mean, look, Anthony is, you know, has put it out or at least shown that he's a hardworking kid, but it's always good to have something to force the issue a little bit in terms of development that actually, you know, he'll want to get better. He will strive to get better because that's just him. But when there's somebody actively out there competing against you, it pushes you even harder to get that much better. So this could be, if anything, a really good development tool for him. And, you know, I mean, look, I think everybody's kind of given next year a pass um, in terms of results. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with playing Jack Miller if he ends up proving to be a suitable player for you. One thing that's also a possibility, Florida could have a true like two two quarterback system. I know last year we saw a lot two quarterbacks get played, but it wasn't a true system. Both quarterbacks offered virtually similar skill sets. Um, but these are two guys that have opposite skill sets. If you need a guy to come in on third down and one from the three yard line, you know, this is where you pull in Anthony Richardson. If you need a guy who who can throw the deep pass. Um, on a dime, if if that's Jack Miller, based off of what you've seen, then I mean, I think you can have a really cool system with the two of those guys complementing each other, and you know, essentially building one really good quarterback. Uh, I think I I remember listening or hearing or reading something where basically a defense was like, it might have been Alabama or Georgia, one of those two. It might have been Georgia, where they were like, look, or not look, but. They said, yeah, I mean, when we saw them come out of the field, we knew it basically nothing changed. Right. In terms of like Anthony, Anthony Richardson versus Emory Jones. So this might be a little bit of a switch up. Uh, I think one thing to say about Jack Miller's game, though, is sometimes he looks to get the big play and not really take it safe, make the check down, use his eyes, read the defense kind of deal. Um, his old offensive coordinator told that to me. He said he's gotten better at it. We'll see, though. It'll be interesting. This will be, what, the first year we've had a spring game since 2019, right? That sounds right, yes. So I'm sure a lot of people will be out there, and if there's enough people and the place is packed enough, it can provide a good enough opportunity for you know Jack to show what he can do against Division One talent in front of a ton of people because, let's face it, he hasn't had that much of an opportunity to do so um, at Ohio State. You know, funny enough, I actually, I know this is off topic a little bit, but since you kind of brought it up, I really hope that Billy Napier takes the spring game uh, slightly more serious than Dan Mullen did. Uh, With Dan Mullen, it it just felt like we were watching, you know, a sideshow, which I get that's kind of what the spring game is. But at the same time, we want to get a preview of what our team's going to look like the next year. And uh, you could never get that as we were throwing touchdown passes to Chris Doring or whoever else was on the sideline. It was just a, it wasn't as fun to watch that, or you didn't come away thinking that, oh, my team's going to be good because of this, this, and this. Um, 
but that's that's just my thought. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I try not to read in the spring games too much. Um, I know I just said put all that emphasis on the spring game for Jack Miller, but it's basically <laughs> in like in that context, I'm saying this is his first introduction to the four gear fan base to playing in the swamp. And it's like you said, it's a big promotional event for the football team for Gator Athletics. And I think Dan with putting those kind of different little events in place, it was trying to just generate some excitement from the from the crowd, I guess. But I I, I see what you're talking about. You know, this is something to where like look, people came here to see current players play against current players and see what they can offer, see how the team's potentially improved. We don't need Lawrence Wright, you know, catching touchdowns, Chris Doring and Travis McGriff catching touchdowns. We need, you know, Jaquave, we need to see Jaquavian Frazier's run around. We need to see, you know, the young kids, the five stars, the four stars come in and see them make a little bit of plays too. And Jake, don't get me wrong. At halftime of our spring game, I'm all for let's suit up a bunch of the older guys. If you want to put uh, Chris Collinsworth out there, if you want to put Emmett Smith out there, if you want to put Chris Doring out there, if you want to put some of the guys from the, the 06, 08 team, the Brandon Spikes types, I'm all for it. But there's a time and a place, I think. I, I think those those ideas just need to be separated a little bit. That's just, again, that's just my thought. I know it's fun. I know the fans like it. You know, as, as somebody who who enjoys this and, and does this kind of thing with you, it'd be nice to be able to come away from that since there are no open practices anymore um, with some kind of information. <laughs> you know, I remember Kadarius Tony's first spring game. That was Jim McElwain's last year. That spring game. He made like several plays playing quarterback. And I, I fortunately had some uh, a family friend who had a friend who had champions club tickets. So we were in the, the Hevner touchdown terrace, not Hevner, the hallway touchdown terrace for the spring game. We get in the elevator and this lady looks at us. She's like, so Tony looks good. <laughs> and we were, <laughs> we were talking about right before getting in the, uh, in the elevator that someone was going to say Kadarius Tony should be the starting quarterback. And like five seconds in, we got something that implied that. Well, let's, let's be honest. The third year, Jim McAway and Kadarius Tony probably was the best quarterback on roster. <laughs> uh, I would probably answer yes to that. <laughs> no, the best quarterback on roster was Kyle Trask. He just had a, uh, that's, that's a fact. You're, you're absolutely right on that. <laughs> so anyway, um, Billy Napier trying to get some more stuff done on the, Creed Trail, but he's already got some stuff done on campus, right, Brian? A couple different changes that have been made that uh, were obviously some glaring issues this season with the Gator team. Yeah, Jake, it's kind of interesting. Uh, they, they mentioned, uh, I know I saw a lot about the food and about the parking. I guess they're allowed to park a lot closer now. Uh, the food is a night and day difference from everything I've been told. Um, I don't have specifics on that. I don't know if, if you have uh, specifics on what they're eating now, but um. Uh, but either way, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of funny. We didn't hear any of these issues and we, you never hear of them when it's happening. Uh, if you remember when Jim McElwain left, we learned that there was no strength and conditioning program. Dan Mullen leaves. And now we see there really was no nutrition program. Uh, there was no, you know, there, there were all kinds of issues and it's nice to see that, um, Billy Napier is already tackling these issues. And, uh, man, I just, imagine what it's going to be like once that new facility opens up 
uh, and they're able to get whatever they want, access to anything in the world, really, at, at their convenience at any time. So, I, I mean, I think that's that's something that's really cool. Then after that, obviously, the swamps are going to get renovated. We've been told by Scott Strickland and them. Um, there's just there's a lot of positive changes coming to this program, and uh, I think Billy's arrival is, is you know almost like the the messiah leading us into these changes <laughs> okay let's let's, 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 let's <laughs> yeah. the christ allegories here okay hey now <laughs> brian um but you know I, the the players have raved about it you know getting you some of these things taken care of so if anybody doesn't know you know the the gator football players they have to be at the practice facility and on campus at certain times well they keep getting ticketed where they park. So some guys are racking up thousands of dollars in tickets that they can't pay. You know, even uh, Donovan McMillan posted uh, that he got a ticket and all the kinds of tickets he got. Well, now Billy Napier has kind of, um, you know, made an agreement with the administration that they're able to park on the north side of the stadium in this kind of open field parking lot S kind of deal. The university's used it several times for basically for parking for UF staff. So this is a good way to um, make sure the guys, you know, can get right there. The indoor practice facility, the offices are right there. The film room is all right there. And you don't got to worry about getting ticketed, which would be nice for them. Yeah. I mean, look, here's my, you know, all the money that, that you're making. Um, I'm talking about UF, all the money that UF's making off these guys. You couldn't get them a freaking parking pass before this. <laughs> yeah. It's weird that they don't have a specific parking pass. But so I, it's not that expensive. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Like you can get them a parking pass. You can set up those designated parking pass zones right there near the stadium. But look, it's a university. It's got to make money. I wonder if that's a, I don't know. It's probably not a uh, impermissible benefit, but it's resolved now. And the players are very happy that they don't have to pay parking tickets anymore. That just means now you know, Taps is going to be hunting literally everybody else's car on the orange lot in the Odell. Yeah, Jake, this affects us, not them. <laughs> yeah. If anybody doesn't know, UF is like notoriously absolute snipers when it comes to transportation and parking in terms of tickets where you're not supposed to be parked. I remember when I was in school, I always paid my tickets because if they got me, that means, look, you win this round, but I'm going to, I'm going to win more than you do. And <laughs> I used to finagle so many different ways to, you know, not get out of tickets, but at least avoid them. So I used to circle the rights union garage that had all day parking and just take somebody's spot when they left. That was my way of circumventing the system. But if I ever <laughs> got ticketed parking somewhere else, yeah, I was like, yeah, I see you. You got me this time. You can get me next time. But, hey Jake, I, I'm curious to which one, which of of all the things that have changed since Billy Napier has been here. I know it's quite a few. What what have you been most impressed by? It's going to sound like a really basic take, but the staff hires. I think he. Damn it! To... I had the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure you would overlook the staff. Oh, <laughs> oh no! How would I overlook forty plus people being hired within like a month? But I. I think that is a different thing because, and it, I don't think it's something that he would do just to keep UF's name in like in circulation, but they're higher. I have, I'm, I'm either was blind to how many positions were on a football team or he's hired a ton of people. Um, I think my favorite one so far, and this is definitely like, like this is the best staffer name, but Tiger Jones, who came from Louisiana, 
He is their skill improvement and speed improvement coach or skill development and speed improvement coach. And guys have already said they've noticed a complete difference uh, with a guy like him. And they're hired all these different people. They've hired basically Bree Wade is handling on campus and football camps and recruiting events. And then Kate Turner is kind of the director of recruiting. So I'm sure that has to deal more with strategy and all sorts of stuff like that. No, man, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, the other thing about the, the staff hires is that everybody has come so highly regarded. When you read the comments uh, from former players at the school that they left where they're coming, uh, you know, some of them are just in shock. Oh, you're leaving Georgia. You're leaving, you know, Louisiana, whatever. Um, everybody just has an extreme level of um, of positive things to be said about everybody that's coming in. And uh, you don't always get that, man. Most of the time you don't hear about any of these. And so there is none of that. And so you get that. And if nothing else, it, it kind of brings a warm feeling within the program. And, uh, you know, of course, it makes the fan base say, all right, we got this guy. I didn't know who Tiger Jones was, but now I'm glad we have him. <laughs> um, and so I, I think that's a good thing. And I, I, I'm I'm really excited to see just how many announcements we get. Like you said, we're up to like 40 now. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? We're going to get up to 100 with, with all the analysts no, and everything? I think, I think it's going to stop at about 40, 40 plus. I think that's where it's going to be. Yeah. But I'm, like you said, to talk to your point, I mean, a guy like William Piegler, the new tight ends coach, running backs coach at Michigan State, he won you know a coach of the year award. I, all these guys posting pictures from that running back room talking about how great of a coach William Piegler was. That's definitely uh, a great example of how highly regarded some of these guys come. Look, we knew how good of a guy Corey Raymond was. We know how good of a coach he was, how good of a recruiter he was because of who he was at LSU. But some of these other guys, like a Piegler, um, like any of the guys from Louisiana, so like Patrick Tony, um, Darnell Stapleton, the co-online coach, and any of these other guys, nothing but good things to be said about all of them, like you said. Just to piggyback off of that thought with Piegler real quick, I thought it was kind of interesting. Florida now has on staff both the 2019 and the 2021 running back coach of the year, and they have um, Jabbar Jaluk and now Piegler. I, I think that's actually really interesting, but it just tells you how good of coaches they are. And, you know, the, the position's not going to matter. From moving from running back to tight end, that's not going to be a huge deal. But I, I think it's really cool that there's there's two guys who have won the same award within three years of each other that have moved on to this staff. Yeah, he's building a really good staff. And look, they just made a recent hire. You know, hiring uh, former Gator Mike Peterson, I think a lot of people are excited for that, um, about what's going to come from there. Because, you know, a guy like Mike, I'll, I think I'll, I remember hearing a lot of fans who I knew were like, we should get Mike Peterson back. He's a coach. He should come back to campus. Uh, he's been, he was a great linebacker for the program. I would love to see him come back and be a coach. Well, now, coming back to Florida, he was at South Carolina for several years. Uh, it's funny. This is his second time at Florida because he was like a 14-year NFL veteran after he was a, a Gator. And then he came back to school when he retired, entered into his degree. He was an undergraduate assistant on the team in strength and conditioning. And then when he graduated, he took over as like the director or oversaw the, the whole deal uh, under Will Muschamp. When Will Muschamp was fired, he went to South Carolina he took Mike Pearson with him to coach outside linebackers at Carolina. 
this year, uh, Beamer allowed him to stay on. And, you know, he coached outside linebackers and uh, defensive ends. I think they got, they're, they're getting a guy who can coach outside linebackers in the SEC. He's coached some really good guys like a Darius English um, and even helped DJ Wanham uh, get to uh, the National Football League, coached him to be a fourth-round pick. And it's. It, it, I also think it clears up some of the what could be happening, what could be forming on the defensive staff, because I think that now shows that probably Chris Rump will not be coming, uh, and they'll probably be looking somewhere else because now they need somebody to coach, basically, you know, inside linebackers and defensive line, and that rounds out there and the co DC position, which could technically take a position group. So like, uh, I think I've heard Carl Scott's name be used. He would potentially coach inside linebackers and he made the co DC. Yeah, I mean, dude, you you hit it. Mike Mike Peterson is an absolute home run hire. Um, and honestly, it's something that probably should have happened way before now. Uh, but Dan Mullen trusted Dan Mullen, and while well, we see what that uh, resulted in, the biggest thing I think uh, with Peterson's role is his liaison to former players. This is a program where I mean, there's a lot of unbelievably incredible athletes that have come through this program. A lot of guys who made it big, made it huge on that next level. Mike Peterson's the kind of guy that can get in, t- get in touch with him. He's the kind of guy that can get you know five of these guys to show up at a spring game. He's the kind of guy with just his, you know, you, you mentioned 14 years in the NFL. His pedigree alone, I mean, they could have banners outside of that stadium with Mike Peterson on it. Um, he was that impactful to this team uh, when he was at UF. And so he he automatically instantly brings credibility proven. Like you said, he's proven his um, he knows what he's doing as a coach. So what more could you want from a coach, uh, you know, than, than what you're getting from Mike Peterson. And that doesn't even necessarily include what he's going to be doing off the field and trying to keep the uh, relationship with the former players too. Well, the, I think the one thing you can knock on him is he doesn't seem like an incredibly strong recruiter. You know, he's he's pulled a five-star. He was Jordan Birch most recently. But other than that, most of the guys are pretty much, you know, either a four-star or, you know, three-star kinds of talent. So I think that definitely is something for pause because I think something that a lot of people have mentioned that needs to happen with the staff is an emphasis on recruiting. Well, you have some guys who are Napier's guys, so they're probably in the same system and know what Billy wants out of recruiting. Plus, you had a guy like Corey Raymond and then Kerry Colbert's in the mix too. So I wonder if this is just a, a move to get a you know a, a Gator on campus and you know get a, a good coach instead of you know a, a good recruiter and a good coach. Look, let's look at the basketball side of things. If Mike Miller had come up to um, Mike White and said, "Hey," I'd like to be an assistant on your staff. We would all condemn Mike White if he didn't accept that kind of help, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even care what kind of recruiter Mike Miller is. I know what that man did on the court. I know what he did on the court in the NBA. And I know that that man, you know, even if it's just in conversations, I know he could probably coach me up to be a better player. Yeah, and if anybody's not familiar with Mike Peterson, he was on the 95-96 uh, SEC championship teams, as well as the 1995 national championship team. He was also an All-American in 1998, first teamer uh, in his, I think, 13 or 14 years in the NFL. He played for several teams, including the Colts, um, the Falcons, and the Jaguars. If I'm missing one, I'm sorry. 
Um, and he was second team all pro just once. But look, you can play over a decade in the NFL, you're doing something right. Absolutely. With the average uh, lifespan in the NFL being something like two and a half years, 14 years is pretty consistent. Especially when you're a linebacker. That's, a, I mean, look, yeah. not many linebackers make it that long. We see, we've seen linebackers recently in the NFL retire after their third or fourth year. I remember when uh, Michael Borland from Wisconsin did it. He played for the Niners. Yeah, man, that's the way to do it. You uh, you go in, you get your rookie contract money, and then you get out. Exactly. It's smart. Look, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be your whole profession. It just has to you, just has to get you some money to keep you keep you feeling nice and fat for a couple of years. Exactly. So, speaking of some NFL talent, there's going to be a lot on the field in Indianapolis on Monday. Alabama and Georgia uh, will play for the national title, just like they did in the 2017-2018 playoff. How do you feel about it, Brian? Well, yeah, I, oh, man, what I mean, who could have predicted this? I think everybody. Obviously, these are the, um, the two best teams playing each other for the championship. You know, I, I mean, there's something imperfect about this, isn't there? Um, yeah. Um, but no, I, I mean, both teams entered 13 and one. Obviously, Georgia lost 41 to 24 in the SEC championship. Uh, Georgia somehow, though, is a two and a half point favorite. Um, something I found interesting, the uh, Georgia defense, and this includes the SEC title game. Uh, allowed just uh, just nine and a half points per game all year and just over 250 yards per game. Against Alabama, they gave up 41 points and 536 yards. Alabama obviously saw something in that defense, and it was through the air that they, they did most of their attacking. It'll be in, interesting, I think, for me. Uh, one thing that I'm going to be watching is how Alabama's air game works. Uh, we didn't see a whole lot of success against Cincinnati. And with John Mechie out, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe that that's the difference maker here. I just don't know that I, I believe that Alabama is going to be able to run on Georgia the same way that they were able to run over the Bearcats. So, I mean, overall, I think this is exactly what we expected. These are the two best teams, and I, I don't care how you slice it or dice it. This is number one. This is number two. And yeah, I think this is uh, where we're at. These are, this is, if you look at the recruiting rankings over the last five years, this is number one, this is number two. So uh, I think this is exactly right. And uh, that's kind of a statement on where the game is as a whole right now, I guess. Do you think it's going to be a close game? I do. I, I don't know that I trust that either team can score a whole lot of points against those defenses. This, uh, I mean, I can give you a prediction if you want. I, I, no, feel kind I, of on the spot. I was just wondering what you think the nature of the game is going to be because, look, I mean, the SEC title game, Bryce Young had his Heisman moment against yeah. the Bulldogs. There's obviously something they think they can exploit in that Bulldog secondary. Now, I think this one's going to be a little bit more of a defensive slugfest, and I think uh, a lot of that has to do with Mechie being out and, and the focus being a little bit different. Um but we'll see. I, I'd like to see if Bryce Young can bounce back from what wasn't really a very good game against Cincinnati. It'll be great to see what happens with the Alabama receiving core, um, especially because Jameis Williams had a really good game, just like Bryce Young did. But like you said, you know, John Mechie is in there, so they focus more on a guy like on a guy like Jameis Williams. It could be it could be a defensive slugfest, like you said. This is not exactly the best defensive team though Alabama has. So I wonder, I'm definitely thinking that plays into Georgia's hands. But, you know, I, I cannot say with any certainty that I think Georgia's going to win. I can't even say that I want them to win because I think Gator Twitter would be all up and down my back if that were to happen. 
Yeah, Jake, we would actually show that over and over just to, to get the highlights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but, if, I mean, look, I was talking to, to Mark about this last week. If you are a Gator fan, now more than ever, you cannot afford to see Georgia win this national title because it is going to absolutely make it that much harder for Billy Napier to build whatever he's trying to build here. Oh, absolutely. And, and if that's not reason enough for you, for the hundreds of thousands of people that converge on Jacksonville every October, it's going to be miserable when they're all flying their national championship flags. <laughs> so if you're one of those people that's kind of on the fence, like, oh, you know, Alabama wins all the time. You know what? No, no, it should never. You should never, ever root for the Georgia Bulldogs if you're a Florida Gator fan. That's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And in my independent, honest um, opinion, I also agree with that in terms of making sure you keep your, your fan loyalties in check. But I think also, it just like I said, it just will help more if you see Alabama win. Because Alabama wins, it's like, oh, business as usual, status quo is maintained. You know, they're going to have a ton of momentum, a ton of hype. They're already a, a, a death star in Tuscaloosa. In If Georgia wins it, it just skyrockets it. Because that just means so much more money for them, so much more they can spend on facilities, resources, all sorts of stuff uh, to get an already impressive recruiting resume even better. Hey Jake, you remember, you know, it, it seems like it was forever ago now, but, you know, back at the beginning of September, uh, beginning of October, we all were talking about this being one of the worst Alabama teams in, you know, a decade plus. It's pretty incredible that after all that, they, they still made the national championship game, whether or not they win, I, this this ride's been pretty incredible, but it kind of shows you just how important recruiting is and finishing in the top two, three, five classes really is because most people don't look at this Alabama team and say, oh, this is as talented as that 2018 team, as that 2012 team, as that 26. You know, this, this on paper looks like one of the least talented teams that they've had over the last decade, and yet here we are again. Yeah, I, yeah basically just to put it in different words, this team does not stack up as well as some of the other teams that Alabama's had in recent memory in terms of what you see on the field. But it's just that much better than everybody else because of how much talent they stockpile and the kinds of talent they get. But, you know, it's so funny. We always have this conversation. It's like, oh, Alabama lost a lot of guys. Can they be as good again? We don't know. And then it's – and then December rolls around. Oh, Alabama. They're so good. Nobody can beat them. Why would anybody ever play Alabama? It was like, guys, we know what's going on here. Like, it's Alabama. They will always be good as long as Nick Saban is there. It's a machine. Yep. So, I don't know. I like the Tide to win. Just because, look, until you can beat the King, it's hard for me not to side with him. Yeah, I mean, I look, I, I've said since the beginning of the year, uh, before the season started, I, I don't know if I said it on this show, but I just said it on the Gator Slant. Um, I think George is the best team in college football this year, um, and I don't think it matters who plays quarterback for them. If it's a walk-on named Stetson Bennett or it's a former five-star recruit uh, from USC uh, and JT Daniels, I, I just think that, uh, especially along the trenches, and I think the trenches are where you're going to win games, and um, – I don't know. I really, I felt like I saw a lot from this team against um, Michigan. And uh, I mean, look, I, I hope it doesn't happen, but man, I, I think they're going to come away with the national championship. 
probably their best game of the season against Michigan this year. I mean, look, they steamrolled Vanderbilt like 70 to nothing, but this was like a legitimate piece of competition that they had. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I just hope, I'm just hoping for a good game. That's how I always feel. Never have a dog in the fight. So you just hope that the four hours you spend watching the game isn't just an absolute waste of your time. Jake, uh, one thing I, I want to ask you about, though, still on the national championship. Uh, number one, why is this game played on a freaking Monday, and why does it kick off so freaking late? Um, I think you want the actual answer, or you no, no, no. I know the answer. actual answer, but oh. no, just I, I mean, it's utterly ridiculous. Uh, I'm going to be up until like one a.m. and have to work again at nine a.m. the next day. Uh, that's just, you know, it doesn't make sense to me that it's not on a Saturday, you know, starting at like five o'clock, but life is life, I guess. Yeah. We absolutely have to play NFL on Saturdays when the football season ends for college. So that's the only reason why Again, uh, it's on a Monday. They also know, cause you're, they know they could put this game at 1230 on a Wednesday and they know your grubby little eyes are still going to watch it cause it's football. They only get me because it's the last football of the year. <laughs> yeah, I think you and a lot of other people are starting to voice that opinion more and more. If it changes, who who knows? We'll never know. Look, the the ESPN has so many football games that it can broadcast. I remember, look, FCS was doing their entire season in the spring in 2020. I didn't see it promoted like once on ESPN. Right. And they were playing like every single weekend in the spring and they didn't promote it at all. Like, I just don't, I just think, look, if you, we're going to put this wherever, if you want to watch it, you can watch it. So anyway, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, Jake, uh, if it wasn't you that I was uh, on here with, I wouldn't say anything at all, but uh, I do have to, because uh, before, well, I guess I'll see you next weekend, but um, Hey, go birds. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> can't let you have that one you, you did not you no. this was not this was not a good decision for the birds to uh, make the playoffs this year at all if anybody doesn't know the philadelphia eagles have to play the tampa Bay buccaneers at home next week for wild card weekend um and they will be playing tom brady in the defending world champions and it's probably not going to look good for them because they're not very good we'll see we'll see I know. Look, I'm talking so smack now, but I, I'm hoping it pays off. And yeah, I'm probably going to be, they lose. Well, yeah, I'm going to be probably pretty devastated. Look, I will be back next week if the Eagles win just to talk trash, okay? He's looking <laughs> so smug. I'll have to make sure all the poles are greased in, in Gainesville. Exactly. You do it. <laughs> all right, Brian. Well, um, you know, get, get out of here. Close this out. Thanks for listening once again to the Gridiron Growl podcast brought to you by Chomp Talk. Make sure to check out all the things that they have there, including their gymnastics and basketball coverage. Gymnastics is getting underway. Very great group of uh, gymnasts that the Gators have this year, hoping to have a really good year. They had an amazing year last year, fell short of what they were trying to accomplish, so probably looking to get back with a vengeance. But also make sure to check out uh, Brian's podcast, also the Gator Slant, with him and Ryan Haley and Jesse Richardson. But for now, for Brian Fox, I'm Jay Kitt. We'll see you later.